latest news now. Moscow's only English-speaking hit music station. Capital FM. News. Moscow's Vnukova Airport handled over 2.4 million passengers last month, that's 16% more than in July 2017. The most popular international destinations were to Antalya, Istanbul, Milan, Baku, Dubai, Larnaca and Barcelona, while domestically it was Sochi, St. Petersburg, Krasnodar, Rostov-on-Don, Simferopol, Mohachkala, Anapa and Mineralne Vody. 33 metro stations are to be built on the territory known as the New Moscow by 2035. The authorities say the length of the new lines will be 7 to 2 kilometers. The yellow line will be extended to Moscow's Vnukova Airport. The new school year in Moscow will begin on the 3rd of September. The city's authorities say the shift is because the 1st of September, also known in Russia as Knowledge Day, falls on Saturday this year. Mayor Sergei Sabenin is advising all school children to spend the extra two days in the city's parks. Football club Svatak Moscow is currently taking on Greek side Pauk in the first leg away game of the third qualifying round of the Champions League. The latest score there in Thessaloniki after the first half is 3-2 in favour of the hosts. The return leg is to be played in Moscow next week. And finally, the euro has added 26 kopecks against the Russian currency, with the dollar adding 5. The official exchange rate for Thursday for a dollar is 63.59 rubles. One euro will cost 73.82. Rated 2 out of 10 on Moscow's roads, that's according to our interactive map. Driving time to the Medvedeva airport from the city center is about an hour and around 45 minutes to get back into central Moscow. Driving time to Vnukova airport is about 40 minutes each way and you'll spend about an hour on your way to and from Shremetiva. 19 degrees Celsius in Dublin, 5 in Melbourne, 28 in Singapore. Partly cloudy and up to 24 degrees Celsius are expected in Moscow tomorrow. That's about 75 Fahrenheit. That's all from me this hour. Dmitry Shulga in the studio. Bye for now. It's Wednesday night here in Moscow. It is, well, look, basically you can be going outside in the street and drinking coffee. You can be sitting and watching something on TV, some nonsense or other. Or you can be listening to the best sports news and reports and discussions in mainland Europe. We are listening to Europe's number one English language sports show. This is Capital Sports. I'm Alan Moore. And right beside me to my left is a wonderful, wonderful Kat Kenna. She's adding even more Irish flavour with that wonderful family name of hers. And uh, Kat, we're already with our guests, our calls and our music. We are ready as we can be, yes, as well we will be actually, yes, uh, all ready to go. Perfect, and thank you for actually rescuing us as well, because I know we had some technical difficulties, but you pulled it all together as always. Well, we'll, we'll see about that, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Okay, what, so... What's coming up actually? Well, do you know what, that's, that's, it's a good question, because I do have to try and move on with this, because we have so much packed into today's show. We have, we have the tastiest Scottish beef, Scottish beef, after Black Angus, that is Andy Big Mac McLean, he's joining oh. us with all the news from the world of <laughs> football. 
football. I, I won't do a Scottish accent or I sound like Shrek. Oh, please do. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to have a rundown of all what what happened uh, last weekend in the Russian League, uh, Premier League, of course, and uh, the uh, English Charity Shield. We'll also have a look ahead to the Russian English Premier Leagues this weekend. Of course, the English Premier League kicks off this weekend. Mm-hmm. We will have BBC Sports editor Dr. Dan Ron. Doctor is not like a joke, like kind of like Dr. Death or something like that. He is like a real <laughs> doctor. Um, he'll be on the line with us in just a little bit. And, of course, that is a Russian media exclusive. Um, yeah, so that's going to be pretty good. We will have all the live updates. Of course, Dimitri Shulga, he is pretty much in tears right now. After leading 2-0, Spartak have collapsed to go in at halftime, 3-2 down. So, okay, that gives them a bit of hope. They have two-way goals, but it's Spartak. So, like, uh, they need about five-way goals to have a chance to go through. But anyway, let's move on. Right, we have the great music as always. Well, at least we've got two good songs. We've got one song chosen by uh, this week's guest, but we'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, uh, we have, uh, well, we have, look, we have a very, very good quiz. We have 2,000 rubles worth of uh, food and drink to be given away to Kate O'Shea's, to Silver's, or to Paddy. So there's two, you can have your choice of four pubs. Kat, we've been in one of those pubs together. Yeah. And it was nice, wasn't it? It's lovely, yeah. After St. Patrick's Day Parade as well. So we did it really thematically. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you've got 2,000 rubles to win for that. Um, and if you have any questions, you can message on plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. Is that correct, Kat? That is, yes. I was, just, I was checking while you were saying. I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. After 100 plus, 100 plus fights, like, I mean, my brain is not really what it should be. So, right. Uh, so, to get that prize, that 2,000 ruble voucher, you just simply have to text in on that number. Because last week, myself and Big Mac... No, Big Mac, you don't touch that phone. Myself and Big Mac, we both predicted the outcome of the Lokomotiv Moscow and the Spartak Moscow game, because it was done on Saturday. I said it would be a draw, Andy, who is... Our resident, like, tipster, who is a genius, he's like kind of the rain man of tipping football matches uh, in every sense. He basically... You get all sorts of comparisons today, Andy. Yeah, I know. It's great. Angus, <laughs> Scottish beef, Angus, <laughs> rain man. Rain man, like, it's like you know, don't, don't burn... buy your meat from me. <laughs> or don't burn the baby. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, that's a bad reference. Right, uh, so basically, he said that Sparta was going to win. I said Lokomotiv is going to win, okay? Spartak should have won. Okay, okay. So all we need to know, okay, if you're going to pick in future, who is who is going to be your tipster? So it'll be either Alan or Andy. So you just text in Alan or Andy, okay? So you either text in as Alan or Andy, okay? Simple as that. Right. Um, he is. He's going to give us some um, betting tips as the as the, the uh, as the show goes on. And also we have a professional footballer, a female professional footballer who plays with local team Moscow and the Russian national team as well. So Alina Miagakova. I'll, I'll repeat that now in a moment. Uh, so she's here <laughs> joining us in the studio. Uh, quickly, before we get on to our guests, uh, I'm going to give a, a very, very short rundown on what went on yesterday in the UEFA Champions League, the third qualifying round. Dinamo Zagreb, they won 2-0 away in Kazakhstan against FC Astana. Bate Borisov from Belarus, they beat Karabag 1-0 in Azerbaijan. 1-1 between Malmo and Videoton. Malmo, of course, of Sweden and Videoton of Hungary. And it was 1-1 between Slavia Prague and Dinamo Kiev. 2-2 between Standard Liège and Amsterdam. That's a Benelux Derby. And Resar Belgrade were held 1-1 at home by Spartak Ternova. Spartak Ternova, by the way, in Slovakia. From Slovakia, they have the tastiest candies. It's actually branded Ternova candies. They taste really nice. And a huge game, a huge game yesterday as well. 1-0 for Benfica against Fenerbahce. The winners of that Toy will be facing Spartak in the next round. I got that one right. I had to look at Andy to make sure of that. And in Europa League last night, Punic Yerevan played out a nil-nil draw in Yerevan against Maccabi Tel Aviv of Israel. Right, tonight, tonight's games running down. 
Dimitri Sugar, he's laughing at that, but then again, like, you know, your guys want to get past this round, Dimitri, so he who laughs last doesn't get the joke. Right. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> FC Salzburg, they are 2-0 up at halftime against uh, Schendia of Albania, so Salzburg goes of uh, that beautiful, lovely city in Austria. And Celtic, they kick off a little bit later on against AEK Athens. Celtic on a pretty good run, actually, because they're unbeaten in the last five games, but then against our AEK Athens. That, of course, is in Paradise, correct? Correct, yeah. Correct. So that, of course, that, that lovely, wonderful, deep voice is Mr. Big Mac McCain. Andy, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good. So listen, have you, have you recovered from, like, losing the betting challenge with me last week? Not <laughs> quite, but I'm, I'm out for revenge. Yeah, I know. I, I had a good rate during the World Cup, 80%. That's very well, good. Well, actually, it was, it was 78.5, but still, it's, let's not go there. <laughs> but I did very, very well overall. Not as good as you, but... So listen... Uh, Quickly, this past weekend, we had that uh, nil-nil draw. A pretty drab game between uh, Loco and Spartak. Was it a fair result in the end? I think Spartak edged it in terms of uh, possession, chances created. And I highlighted it to you last season as well. I thought Locomotive were a bit pedestrian in the middle of the park and it Mm -hmm. really showed again that I think they will struggle to create chances against some of the big boys this year. Do you mean big boys in Europe or big boys at home or both? Both. Okay, no, because it did seem like in the second half they did play well, they, they got their attacks going, but they just don't seem to get that killer ball into the box. They need a team to, to decide that they're going to go on the front foot and push for them to get the space to, to work it to the, the Moranchuk brothers or a, a far fan up front to do something. Until teams open up, I think Locomotive will struggle to create more chances. Now, of course, there's rumours that uh, Smolov is going to make his way up to Moscow, but, like, I mean, he makes his way everywhere and then never goes anywhere. In the media, uh, yeah. Exactly, in the media, of course. Uh, I mean, if they add in a, a kind of a really deadly striker, will that help? Because they have Mbolo coming in, but he's not, he's not a frontline striker, in, in all honesty. I don't think that area of the pitch is really where they should be concerned. It's slightly deeper for me with your Denisov, etc., hold that midfield line. Um, it's the transition going from defence to attack that I need. I, I think they need a, a deep-lying playmaker who can pick a pass sort of 30, 40 yards down the pitch and pick out, you know, be able to see movement before it's happening and, and, and release some of the pacier players away. But, I mean, they, do they have anyone in the squad right now capable to do that? I mean, Fernandes is a great player, but he's a ball, he's a ball player. And he, well, not a ball player, he's, he's a runner with the ball. Yeah, he's he moves been, the ball. Well. I think he's better off being wide because he, creates, he, can, he can create a little bit of magic out there. And uh, if you put him too central, he's, it's maybe nullified a bit. Is there anyone there in the squad who you'd reckon that could fulfil that role? Um... Not really at the moment. I think maybe if you were to move back one of the Moranchuk brothers or even just, you know, I don't know. Just play behind like sort of a midfield pair yeah. or something. Like that or but then I, I, I fear that they may waste him. Yeah, that is, that is the case. Well, okay. So, also, uh, on Friday night there was a, a pretty, you know, drab 1-1 draw between um, Dino Moscow and Rubin. But then again, it's good for Dino to start off the season well, pick up some points. They're doing well, much better than last year. Uh, Ural, they lost 2-1 at home to, uh, to Krasnodar, no surprise there. Zenit won 1-0 at home to Arsenal. A bit of a struggle there for them as well. Uh, Krilis Sovetov, they lost 3-0 at home to Orenburg in front of a huge crowd. Siska, they blew a massive chance, losing 1-0 at home to Rostov. Uh, Ahmad beat uh, Yenese and Ufa beat Angie. Of course, Angie will be in Moscow to play Lokomotiv on the 26th of uh, August. Right, now, bringing in very, very quick, because we only have a couple minutes before we go to a break, but before we do, okay, before we do, thank you, Kat, Kat saying, Alan, it's, uh, I think she's already saying it's, it's still 3-2 to, it's 3-2, yeah, still? What's 3-2? 
All right. <laughs> Moving very quickly on <laughs> to from a woman <laughs> with one level of football knowledge to a woman with a little bit more football knowledge. If that giggling you hear, that's cat in the background because she's going to smack me in the back of the head as I turn away from her. So, Alina Mjakovkova, who of course is a right full back for Lokomotiv Moscow's women's team, uh, who of course played in the Russian Premier League, and of course she's an international player as well. Alina, very welcome to Capital Sports here in Moscow's Capital FM. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so listen, Alina, why Lokomotiv? Uh, when I was in Turkey in December with national team uh, of Russia under 19, there also was um, a head coach of adult team and now coaches, uh, coach of uh, Lokomotiv Moscow, Yelena Alexandrovna Fomina. After that, uh, the team manager uh, called me and invited me in this team and now I'm a football player of this team and I'm very happy. I choose this team because there are all conditions for development me uh, like a soccer player, for example, um, good coaches, medical center and good football field. Good. Okay, so that's a, that's a good choice. Listen, tell us, you know, you played for a number of teams from, because uh, you're from Lipetsk, so you played in Lipetsk Oblast, in Uzman, yeah. Gryazi and so on, and you, you played for other teams as well, even in Podmoskovia and in, in Moscow as well. What is the big difference, say, between Lokomotiv and the other clubs you've played with? Uh, first of all, there is a street discipline in the Lokomotiv. And in my opinion, it's really meaningful thing. Um, secondly, everything is more professionally. For example, sports nutrition, uh, medical center and uh, practices, recovering f- after matches and so on. Excellent. Okay, so that that that's pretty good. And of course, your main coach is the head coach of the national team. So if you're going to play anywhere, that's like in, in Ireland. We have a thing for Gaelic football. If the county manager of your region, if he coaches at your club or he's a member of your club, you'll always get a first chance. So that's clever, clever, clever career planning. <laughs> okay, listen, we're going to play out with our first song. So again, get in those Alan or Andy. So pick who is the better tipster, and then we'll we'll give out the award to whoever wins the most. Um, whoever votes in it'll be Dima Dimitri Shulga he's going to pick who will be the winner of this okay? deciding so, vote yeah he'll be deciding vote so it's plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. so listen you picked a song for us so what song have you picked and why have you picked it I choose uh, Madonna <laughs> sorry because I like Madonna I like you say sorry song. or is That's it a song? song that's the name of the song is it <laughs> sorry sorry yeah. okay oh, so you like the song I like just words and the music style of this Okay, so Kat, we're going to play it with Madonna and Sorry. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Je suis désolé. Lo siento. Ik ben trovic. Sono spiacente. Yeah. 
folks i'm not going to say sorry for that song i don't think alina she is not right to say sorry for that song so i'll just ask you alina you know there's there's um not that many people in the world who play for their nation uh so what is it like when when you line out when you hear the national anthem of of your team i am always nervous before the game for the national team because it's difficult psychology uh big responsibility um, but also uh, you're proud of your country uh, you should play for the coat on, of arms on your T-shirt because you know that many people watch the games, uh, parents watch your games, friends, and they're really nervous about results. Are you nervous here because like people are watching right now? <laughs> yeah, are your parents watching in Lipetsk? Yes. Oh my God! I think so, they listen. Okay, them. you can. Well, they can, might see you, so you can wave, say hi, mom and dad. Hello. There you go, <laughs> Andy. Listen, Andy, update that score. It's like fifty, nearly sixty minutes gone. That Spartak match. About an hour gone. Yeah, in Greece, in Thessaloniki, it is still three-two. A quick reminder: it was two-nil to Spartak. Quincy Promise and Popoff had given them an early lead, and then a fifteen-minute capitulation. Three, I two. see that. Twi- like you started off with a penalty, and then two more goals on top of that. So yeah, I mean, Priyovich penalty, and then absolutely terrible. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know, I think Spartak, what do you reckon, can Spartak turn around the next way? I said 3-2 would be a good result tonight. Pauka, a good team, proved it against Basel. Mm-hmm. I think 3-2 is a good result. You reckon so? So away from home is good. I mean, I, I, I did think actually a draw would be good, okay? From 2-0 up, it's a disaster, but... But still, I mean, overall, two away goals, I, yeah. I, I think I'll take 3-2. T- yeah. 
Listen, tomorrow Ufa are playing uh, at home to the Luxembourg side, uh, Niedercorn. So, what do you reckon? Ufa had, had a bit of a struggle in the last round, but do you reckon they'll come through it fairly handy? Dom Jale are a good side, and I think they did quite well to, mm-hmm. to sneak that one. Um, Progress are obviously a little bit close to my heart due to their success last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are an amateur, uh, a semi, sorry, a semi-professional yeah, team. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think they should put them away. That, of course, is in the Europa League tomorrow night because we've got, like, there's quite a few good games. And there's Alishkert from uh, Armenia. By the way, Skendia, of course, as Andy pointed out, correctly, are from Macedonia. I was thinking of Skenderbau, who are from uh, Albania. Albania. So, my, my mistake. So, they're playing Cluj Napolka. Uh, Alishkert, that's tomorrow evening. Uh, of course, uh, tomorrow, uh, Ufa, they kick off at 5 o'clock our time here in Moscow. Uh, there's also decent games. Red Bull Leipzig are playing against. Uh, Krajowa from Romania. That's going to be a you know, pretty decent game. Feyenoord, they're playing away in Trenčín in Slovakia, correct? Yep. Slovakia, yep. Uh, Feyenoord from Rotterdam. Dino Minsk, that's a big one. That's a kind of a... In Senate, a bit of a derby. Exactly, yeah. They're not that far away from each other, so that's going to be a, a, a bit decent. Uh, Mario Paul, they're playing at home against Bordeaux. Bordeaux, a pretty decent side as well. Zrinski Mostar, they're playing against Ludogorets Razgrad. Sheriff Tiraspol, they're playing Reykjavik at home, so that should be... Uh, Valor, of course, from Reykjavik. That's going to be a, a fairly decent one as well. Uh, Andy, anything there I think worth some, you know, kind of a bit of a punt on those Europa League games tomorrow. I think that catches your eye because I've seen, like, say, for example, you know, Holly Split are playing at home, Hibs are playing at home, Rangers are playing at home, Rangers playing Maribor, of course. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's a pretty decent game. What do you reckon? I think Hibs and Rangers have got, both have got a very good chance. Hibs, I think, have been unsettled a little bit with the, the their central midfielder and captain John McGinn being linked with a move to Aston Villa and taken out of training just days before Neil Lennon was preparing the team. For me, a few of the Cypriot teams have been a bit disappointing uh, with their results. I'd Don't maybe say that be- because they've beaten, uh, one of them beaten a dog, so enough. Yeah. Sorry, very true. <laughs> That's very touchy subject right now. <laughs> if I was going to have a bet tomorrow, I'd be looking at uh, a Latvian team, um, Spartax and Sudova, Lithuania. Oh, nice one. Um, okay. As maybe a both teams to score there. Hibs are playing mould, of course, of uh, Norway. Both those games kick off at 9.45. One other interesting game as well is Sevilla playing at home against Zagiris Vilnius. Of course, Sevilla beat uh, Ushpest uh, of um, Budapest in the last game. And actually, I'll be interviewing the present uh, and owner, uh, Roderick Duchalet, who, of course, his dad owns Charlton Athletic. So but I'm going to speak with him just purely about football in, in Hungary. It'll be uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, so we are going. We're going now live on a call all the way to England to a man who I have to say you know I, I sent him a message after some awards not that long ago um, for journalism and I just you know I felt for him because a person who gives everything so openly so decently and you know honestly you know and sort of a very very balanced reporting which is very difficult this time you know anywhere especially right now the way the world is uh, but he always does he does his best and he does more than his best and of course as um, we heard when we were speaking with uh, Paul Kimmage Paul Kimmage rates him very very highly and of course anyone who Paul Kimmage rates has to be rated. So, uh, we are very, very happy to go across to speak with the sport editor for BBC, Dr. Dan Rowan. Dan, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you, Alan. Although, I have to correct you, it's not a doctorate I received the other day, a fellowship it was from university, so I can't claim to be a doctor, I'm afraid. I would be very undeserving of place. Well, listen, I'll have to try and sort that out for you, or, um, or else I think you're going to go off for a quest for a ring or something, will you? Say that again, Alan. Sorry, it's a rough line. Sorry, I said that uh, we'll, we'll um, you know, that I'll have to try and sort out a doctorate for you because I'm afraid that if you're a, just a fellowship, you're going to go off and look for a gold ring. 
That's correct, yes, yes. So maybe one day. <laughs> okay, listen, I'm going to sort of... Dan, right down to it. Look, it seems that more and more, you know, sports journalism is about kind of unquestioning cheerleading, uh, both here, especially in Russia and abroad as well. Why are you not doing this as well? Well, I mean, from my point of view, Alan, I've always felt I'm a journalist first and a sports reporter second. I mean, my passion and interest was always in the news. I wanted to be a reporter initially, not necessarily a sports reporter. So while I love sport, I'm a very loyal fan of various teams and individuals, I recognise its importance in society and care deeply about conveying the colour and escapism and the, the drama and inspiration sport provides. And I, and I want to make every match report profile interview that I do with a sports person as strong as it can be. Despite all that, deep down, I'm just as interested, if not more so, in the things that journalists working in other areas of news could do, i.e. holding those in power to account, investigating potential wrongdoing, putting sport into context and analysing the politics, money, the law and the crime of sport. And so I guess I get a bigger buzz out of chasing and landing a big interview or trying to do some original journalism or revealing something that someone doesn't want you to know or asking a good question, for example, at a press conference or, or explaining why sport matters, what would be better about it and what's gone wrong on a news bulletin than I do about just reporting simply on sport itself. Now, I, mean, I think there are many different types of sports journalists, but mostly you can divide it into two groups. Those who see their job as covering the sport, per se, for example, commentators, and then those who are intrigued by the new stories behind sport. In my role, I have to do a bit of both. But I, I recognise I have a very privileged position. The problem, of course, the challenge is that for some reporters, they may, they may be working in just one specific sport or even on one specific club if they're in regional media or local media. And they need access to do that job. And if they're challenging or questioning, then that access can be denied or impeded. And so I understand why some uh, do not do that uh, and I can see how it happens. But at the same time, that would frustrate me deeply. I'd rather work, I think, Alan, in a different area of news if I couldn't agree with my journalists. And that brings me, I think, to a second point. You know, the events of recent farm that sports journalists are prepared to be independent or have been brought into disrepute, whether you're talking about FIFA corruption, the doping scandals in Russia and other countries, the saga around British cycling, the sky's use of banned medication through medical exemptions, British sports athlete welfare crisis, various controversies of the FA, uh, the Football Association here uh, in England, including the child sex abuse scandal that's come out in the last year or two, the money that was wasted on, on the Olympic Stadium being converted after the London 2012 Games. In, in short, since I returned to BBC in 2010, the ethics, the governance, and I think the trust in sport has been exposed like never before. And so for me, it would be entirely inappropriate not to approach sport journalism in the way that I try to do. It's the only way I think it be. You can't afford to be cheerleading. You'd be cheating the people who rely on us for impartial journalism. And I would see that as a derelict thing. So the challenge, I guess, is if you take British sport as an example, that this has all happened, a lot of the grit, as we call it, or intrigue, at the same time that the country's enjoyed unprecedented success in Olympic and Paralympic sport, for example. And people rightly enjoy that. It's good news, after all. So the public, politicians and the media all like hearing about this news. So you inevitably encounter the other side of sports reporting, which is very positive, and perhaps at times not as curious as it could or should be. Dan, I mean, you, you, as I said, you know, that 
you, you've you've taken kind of bouquets and uh, brick bats with 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 your reporting, and you know for me it's 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 always like you're know, worthy of awards. I mean, just very very quickly, and on the one that you gave a, a great background article after the Tour de France, uh, Grant Thomas's you know epic kind of win and Team Sky's epic win. And it received praise and criticism in equal amounts, yet you simply laid out the facts. So, you know, is it important that fans and the public, that they actually just had the facts laid out before them so they can decide for themselves? I think it is. I think, that, I think that's a crucial part of my role. I mean, I don't, I don't see why our audiences, Alan, deserve facts about sport any less than they would do if, if they were uh, interested in politics or business or health or media news, for instance. Sports fans may not always like it when you tell them a few home truths about their favourite club or their favourite player or manager. But but I'm never going to soften or stub a story just to make people happier. That's not my role. Part of the BBC's core values, which which make it, you know, for me a privilege to to have that responsibility in the role that I have, is to inform and to educate. And and I take those responses very seriously. And, And yes... You're right, I received a lot of uh, unpleasant comments and a lot of anger for that particular article, and, and at times, quite upsetting. But all it does ultimately is make me more determined to carry on doing what I'm doing. And quite frankly, you know, I'll be honest, it's, it's nothing compared to what I've encountered from say, football fans you know, from the past, where the, the tribalism and the aggression on social media is much worse. You know, I've asked tough questions of Sir Alexandra, a football club here, over allegations. Uh, of, of child sex abuse at that club. Um, they deny any wrongdoing or knowing about it, but, but clearly they have questions to answer over that story. West Ham, over its deal for the, the former Olympic Stadium, I've asked Paolo Di Canio, for example, whether he was a fascist when he was manager of Sunderland. I'm, I've been banned by Manchester City years ago with Patrick Vieira. And on each of these occasions, you, know, you, you get a lot of stick uh, on social media in particular. And I find a lot of that anger bad and mystifying. mystifying. But, but ultimately, it's a small price to pay for being independent. And I guess there's just something about sport, because of its tribalism and because of the passion that it invokes, that means that people uh, are quite one-eyed often about how they feel about their, their, their sport and don't necessarily like the journalists by a different point of view. Well, I mean, that's, Dan, I mean, again... This is coming back to what kind of baffles me because, you know, as I said, Paul Kimmage, as you know yourself, you, you heard it, he, he praised you in an interview with, with us uh, not, and with other interviews as well. He's also, you know, he has noted you as a person who, you know, gets the job done and reports, you know, better than most, as in, you know, or probably the best most who, who basically, you know, reports stories, whether it be, you know, doping and cycling or even, you know, kind of allegations where I say motor doping and cycling or, you know, kind of when you interviewed uh, Rodchenkov and you pushed him for answers and so on. Um, you know, that this is something that for me is very, very important. For everyone is very, very important and people need to respect this. But, you know, you and your team, I mean, okay, I'll just say like that you're, you're not getting the awards that you should, like that, yeah, for that other journalists pick up for, let's say, lesser stories or lesser reporting. So is it more important for positive peer recognition or for rewards? Well, definitely the former. I mean, I've never, I've never received an award ever uh, for anything I've done. Um, but, but, and, and while that, that, you know, that, you know, I'd much rather, uh, I've had some recognition in that sense. It's much more important to to have somebody like Paul Kimmage say something nice. I mean, that, that that's usually appreciated. It means a great deal to me from someone I respect like that. Um, 
especially when you're getting quite a lot of stick on Twitter, you know, <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to have a bit of a counter to that. So, you know, I've got a huge amount of time and respect for, for Paul. He's someone who's um, made that transition from elite sport to journalism, who so he knows what he's talking about in a way that I never will, and, and whose values and principles are the ones that I try to emulate. Um, and, I, and I also admire you know, plenty of other journalists who, who have the guts to question those in power and, and to challenge the status quo. You know, at the BBC, I'm talking about, for example, Panorama's Mark Daly. Oh, yeah. Who I've had the pleasure of working alongside on, on, on several stories in sport. He does, he does more than that. He does fantastic and very important investigative journalism in athletic cycling. James Oliver and Andrew Jennings taking it to FIFA, of course, the Panorama as well. Elsewhere in, in the written media, alongside Paul, you know, the likes of John Calvert, George Arbuthnot, Sunday Times, the insights of Paul Hayward and Oliver Brown at the Telegraph, Matt Lawson, Charles Sale, Mick Harris at the Mail, Fanny Taylor. Uh, Martha Kellner, David Conn of The Guardian, uh, obviously Harry Seppelt and the wonderful work that he's done in, in Olympic sport and, and doping sport uh, out of Germany, Daniel Benson, the cycling news, Nick Butler inside the games, I mean the list goes on. Yeah. I think, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you said earlier, Alan, that there, there, there is cheerleading, there is flag waving at times, but I think at the same time you have to acknowledge there are some really strong journalists who... who you know, certainly I look up to and, and read and, and watch avidly. And I think the, the competition between some of those I've mentioned and others is healthy. It, 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 you know, it keeps your inspiration and, and motivation to keep going. But when at times, as you've said, it, it can be quite tough. Listen, I, I mean, no, definitely some of your, like, not some, many of your articles, and many, like say Mark Daly, who you've rightly mentioned, who I've, I've mentioned in the past, has been, you know, what he, he did a bit mm. like exposing. As he, he broke my heart with Alan Wells when he did the panorama, but the, the sprint Alan Wells, and I've mentioned that many, many <laughs> times on radio and TV that it killed me because he's a namesake, and of course, he was my kind of hero as a kid. Listen, uh, Andy McLean's in the studio. Here's just a question about the, the World Cup and uh, your, your experience in Russia. Just very, very yeah. quickly, Dan. Sorry. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm going to call you doctor. Screw it. I think you deserve it. You were in the, <laughs> you were over in Russia for the World Cup, and you mentioned earlier that you like getting to the stories behind sport. The, there were a lot of stories about Russia, very sceptical, very negative before the World Cup. What was your impression yeah. of the of the event and the and the host cities? Well, I mean, I was I was really uh, impressed. I mean, I've been to I've been fortunate enough to come to Russia several times in the past covering sport. Um, but this time, it was by far the longest trip I've done here. It was five and a half weeks, and I got to go to places that I'd never been to before. And I was I was very impressed with the likes of Volgograd in particular um, and, the, and the, the historical monuments dedicated to, to the to the war dead. And Nizhny Novgorod was a beautiful town place, as was Samara. And Kaliningrad was a fascinating town to visit too. So I... I, I was genuinely taken aback by how fascinating these places were and by the friendliness of the people and also, I suppose, from a mega sports event perspective. You know, there had been clearly, and I think naturally, um, much concern about some of the problems that the Russian sports culture has faced as a sporting nation. I'm talking about hooliganism. I was in Marseille in 2016 of the Euros to witness those dreadful things. Racism. We know that Russian footballs have a, have a challenge in that area as well. Um, and of course, we all know about the, the doping scandal that meant that uh, Russia's Olympic uh, team was banned uh, from the Winter Olympics. So you had all a lot of, lot of this 
biggest bit of media and news and the build-up. But actually, when it came to it, it was a great World Cup. It was very well organised. Infrastructure in terms of stadia and transport was as good as I've encountered in the four World Cups that I've been to, probably the best, in fact. So I think it was a triumph for the organisers. Uh, there was none of the none of the bad events that we fear occurred, and it went smoothly. Having said all of that, then this is a complex picture, and we and we all know about the the sort of things that Russia stands accused of. And of course, you have the diplomatic tension with Britain currently. You have allegations surrounding the um, the wars in Syria and Ukraine. Um, allegations of tampering with elections. So all of this was in the backdrop as well. So it, it made for a fascinating story and one that it was a privilege to cover. Um, it was tough. I did about 23 flights in five weeks, but oh. I felt like I got for the first time a proper taste, a proper sense of the real Russia. And I think I'll always, I'll always be grateful for that. Listen, you're going to have to come back down because, as I said, I will get you that doctorate. Andy's already named you doctor, so I'm going to make it official. So, uh, finally, <laughs> uh, before we go down, uh, very, very quickly, listen, I just want to ask you, but the future of pro sport, is it something that we want our kids to be involved in? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, I, you know, you, anybody who loves sport and, and understands the value of sport, both physically, but also, I think, in terms of what, it, what lessons it teaches you, in terms of teamwork and leadership and inspiration that things can be achieved if you set your mind to it, dedication, hard work, etc. All for all those reasons, I would say, yes, it would be something that you would want the children to get into. However, like a large part of my work over the last two or three years has been spent looking into the challenges connected with duty of care and athlete welfare. We've spoken about governance already and those in power and how it could be done better, how it could be led better, some of the decision-making could be better. I think that extends all the way through as well to the experience because it's certainly in British sport we've had a great deal of success and that's linked to our approach to funding. We reward medals with more funding than bodies. The downside of that potentially is that there is too much of an emphasis on winning and some believe it's a sort of win-at-all-costs mentality and therefore athletes are being neglected when it comes to mental health they don't have enough say when it comes to election appeals, or when it comes to maybe allegations of bullying, the way that they're treated. Um, you know, this, is, this is a very broad area, athlete welfare, and I think it affects every sport. And it's, and it's forced UK sport, our funding agency, to take a long, hard look at itself when it comes to how it handles these issues. And I, you know, I, I've interviewed for the last four years several young athletes who have made a really big impression on me to the stress and the pressure that they've felt under. And they... I, and I sometimes worry that, that elite sport hasn't got the balance right yet. There needs to be more thought given to the, the mental health of athletes as well as the physical health. But we're, we're all about physical condition, maybe not so much about the mental side of things. And I think that there needs to be something of a reset at that level of sport um, to make sure that we are protecting these young people because sometimes I do have concerns about that. Dan, thank you so, so much for your time. That's... You know, it's, it's both inspiring and depressing at the same time. But as I said, I promise you're going to be a doctor. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to make as my task for the, till the end of this year. Dan, thank you so, so much. It's a pleasure, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. That was Dan Rowan, the sports editor of BBC. Uh, Kat is going to kill me after the show, but she let me reach uh, 10 o'clock alive. So uh, to build us back a bit, a little bit of hope, we're going to play out to the break with Journey and Don't Stop Believing. Sports with Alan Moore. 
Again, when we bring you all the 
upcoming fixtures in the Russian Premier League. We've already had a chat about the results from last week. So, uh, of course, uh, Siska, they messed up. Lokomotiv and Spartak, well, they did well for themselves. And Dino did very, very well with that 1-1 draw. So, coming up this weekend, we have, well, a, a fairly decent series of matches because Dino Moscow, they're away in Yekaterinburg playing Ural. That's on uh, 5.30 kickoff on Friday, Moscow time, of course. Uh, now, Siska, they're playing Yenese. That's away from home on Saturdays. Kickoff is 4.30 Moscow time. Spartak are home against Angie Makhachkala. Hopefully, Angie will be able to afford the flight tickets up. That is kicking off at 7 o'clock on Saturday evening. Of course, Lokomotiv, they're away down on the Kazakhstan border playing Orenburg, formerly Gazevik Orenburg. That's at 2 o'clock on Sunday. A big kickoff there. So, uh, and also actually at the end of the week, uh, on Monday then, Rubin are hosting Zenit at 8 o'clock. So, Andy, which of those games are catching your eye? Rubin Zenit for me, I think, is the pick this weekend. I think Rubin have started quite well. Um, their squad's light, but if they can keep going, um, and Zenit, obviously, there's... there's Simax had a slow start. Two uh, two wins, both kind of um, both tight. Maybe took a gamble on bringing all the Russian players back with with Shatov and Zuba, and now Robert Mack, who's also returned from loan as their front three. So three players. Mack started off uh, last year very very well, actually, or the year before. I think I mean, he was the year before, he was just as he good joined. Player. Yeah, he was very. Um, good. So they they those three have all returned, and then it don't seem to be clicking just yet. And yeah. Rubin are. You reckon it's a win, a home win? I think it'll be a score draw. Okay, a score draw. Okay. What's the score, by the way, in uh, Spartak, uh, Spartak and Pauk? Is it still 3-2? few minutes remaining, it is still 3-2. Okay, that's good. Okay, so uh, with Lokomotiv playing away in Orenburg, like, you would fancy uh, Orenburg to win that one? You'd fancy Orenburg to win, you think? Yeah, I think uh, Lokomotiv, they will have their full team. Hawaii's will be played most likely, but I would looking at a draw at that, maybe. I'd be very disappointed if Lokomotiv didn't pick up three points there. You think so? Okay, yeah. three points. Uh, just with a question sent in from, I think it's from Tanya, and it was, well, she said that to ask Dan whether doping will ever be stopped. Uh, so, well, I think from what Dan said, no. I just short, short, simple answer, no. It's short and sweet. Yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing. You kind of like waited. He he looked at it, but of course, it's very, very real look at it. Actually, how did he come across you, uh, Andy? Having as as a professional, fellow professional, quite touching. I mean, it was it was a really good insight from him into so many different cases that he's covered, so many reports that he's done. Very interesting to hear it from 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 his individual perspective as the person looking deep into it. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic to get some genuine um, insight from a, a top reporter. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's true. And again, as a, well, a fellowship, but you call him a doctor, so okay. Okay, in the English Premier League, what's coming up this weekend? What, we have, what have we to look forward to? Well, it's the opening weekend. We've had some crackers in the past. Um, certainly rolling back in my memory, I remember uh, not particularly young Jurgen Klinsmann in a 4-3 win for Spurs against Sheffield Wednesday, 1995. Did he do his Stuka dive at that time? That was when he did his dive. Yeah. Uh, a very, very young David Beckham beating uh, my fellow Scott Neil Sullivan from the halfway line against Wimbledon. Scott's only about five foot two. He's like a hobbit or something. He's six foot minus six foot one. Maybe. Yeah, exactly minus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's been a few crackers. We've had um, a record scoring. It was Arsenal six one at Goodison Park, Everton in two thousand nine. Plenty to look forward to this weekend because there is the huge game of Arsenal new coach Unai Emery up against Pep Guardiola, Manchester City on Sunday. That's going to be good. And of course, Huddersfield Town, they're, they're at home to Chelsea. That's five for kickoff on Saturday. Newcastle, that Newcastle Spurs one, that's going to be a biggie. That's a, 
a bit of a cracker that's on Saturday afternoon 2.30 on Sunday of course that's the, the Liverpool West Ham, West Ham. of course I'm a, I am a West Ham fan since I was three years of age I've gone, gone away from a little bit and so what Dan was speaking about like the whole mess around the Olympic Stadium the whole lot did take the heart out of it for me um, a bit of interest there with Southampton and Burnley as well Burnley you know decent side doing well go well in Europe they've they're true to the next round just broken their transfer record as well for yeah. um is it Emerson from Levante, the midfielder? That's Lerma, right. Lerma, Lerma yeah, 18 Emerson. million, was it? 25 it was in the end, I think. Although that euros? may have been euros. Euros, yeah, that, okay. Still, you know, I mean, the uh, pound is one euro and 11, so it's not that much of a difference yeah. as it used to be. <laughs> Thanks to what we were discussing about off-air before we come back from break. Okay, so we're going to... Uh, so, okay, looking at that, who, what is your pick for the weekend, Andy? So you've gone, you've gone uh, of course, on... For a home win for Rubin over Zenit, that is on Monday evening. So this weekend in the English Premier League, what are you looking at? The Premier League this weekend, I'm looking at Neil Warnock having a miserable return. And I think Bournemouth to be leading at half-time and to win at full-time is 2-1, to one, which I think is too big. Of course, Bournemouth for me, I mean, I've, I've, or no, sorry, uh, Neil Warnock for me, because I actually... He coached me for a short time at Notts County. That's a long, long time ago when, when I was a young YTS. Great man, great man manager. And I think in, in English football, I played with two, well, with, with uh, Notts County and Bristol Rovers. I had, um, I had Neil Warnock at Notts County and Eel Holloway at Bristol Rovers. So two absolutely insane people. Okay, listen, we're going to get back before we head out because we are running out of time thanks to, uh, well, just having a good chat with uh, Dan Rohn. Where Elena, you're still here with us and being very, very patient. So, next question for you that is is important. Listen, in the last three, four years, you know, have you found that women's football has been improving? Yes, exactly. And the Lokomotiv is a good example of this. Um, I think it's a huge step in development of the women's soccer in Russia. Um, I think in the future, for example, Spartak or Dynamo will create women's soccer team. Because there is a Siska women's team as well. You're playing yes, them on Siska, Friday, yeah. correct? Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> uh, so what do you reckon? So, uh, Siska, are they top of the league or where are they? Top league, yeah. Top of the league. So, uh, what do you reckon? Will you win, draw, lose? I think we will win. <laughs> okay. Andy, we are ready. We will a good job and uh, we are ready for the match and you and where is that taking place and what time uh, at six o'clock in uh, in the stadium metro Shukinskaya. it's uh Octavarsky stadium Octavarsky, Octavarsky. Yeah. okay so six o'clock if you want to have a look at a, a local derby a moscow derby between siska and lokomotiv so we will one. wait you okay so there you go andy so she's, she's, she's using a tip yeah I'll, I'll probably spin up and have a little bit of a look it's not that far away from me um okay so listen just before before we let you go what are your personal aims in football and in life First, I want to be um, the best player, best defender in our uh, Russian Championship, and after I want to go play abroad, and I think it's a good experience for me. And uh, after I will finish my career, and I want to be a good sport doctor. <laughs> I'm You're studying, studying medicine, yeah. Yes, I've studied in medical university, and uh, I want to be a sport doctor and uh, help uh, other athletes to achieve good results in their sports. And uh, I think it's really cool. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, well, that's, that's fair enough to be a doctor. And of course, if you get injured, you can always operate on yourself. So that's your point. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just watch out for Jose Mourinho. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. He, he he doesn't like female doctors. And by the way, who like who is your idol as a defender? Is it Vitaly Denisov? 
Danielle was. Danielle was. So not Vitaly Denisov, no? No. Okay, so, okay. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking the question, folks. That's I mean, it's fair enough. Okay, listen, Aline, listen, we wish you very, very best of luck on Friday and for the rest of your career. And I know you're going to pop into us again later on in the season. Let us know how you get on. Because when are you playing in the Cup semi-final? Um, at uh, 17 of August. 17 of in August. In Perm, yeah. In Perm, okay. First so. game. Of, yeah. Just two legs or two games? Two games, yeah. Away and home. Okay, and when's the second game on? Is it one week later maybe? Or? Uh, I don't remember, in September. Oh, September. Oh, okay, so be okay. Well, look, we're going we're gonna to give a, a shout-out to that and hopefully we'll see you there at the game and lifting the Russian Cup, just like Lokomotiv always seem to do. So, Alina, thank you very, very much. Alina, thank you. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Andy, uh, listen, in terms of... Um, uh, women's football. I mean, Alina told us, uh, well, before we went in there, they play Scotland June Nil Nil. What's the state of women's football in Scotland right now, do you know? I can't imagine it's great if uh, the men's football is, um, you know, hit a bit of a low in, in, in recent years, to say the least. Um, I think our women's game has been developing. I know Celtic and Hibs and a, a few other a few other teams take it very seriously. They play within the UEFA the UEFA Championship games and European competitions. But generally, I don't think um, it's, it's something that's particularly followed or uh, has the financing to really, to, to really push it onto the next level professionally. And I'm sure you probably noticed that when you ground out that nil-nil. Well, we won't ask about the other results that happened over there because I think she'll just go completely red. Okay. All right. So we have a winner. We have Nazar. Nazar, you have correctly guessed. And Dima Shulga, he has, as our resident news guy, he has said yes. That Alan is the tipster right now. So I'm tipping a nil, a draw between Orenburg and Lokomotiv. And Andy is tipping a home win for Rubin. I won last week. Let's see what happens for next week. Okay. So, folks, we're going to say goodnight for now. We're back on next week, same time same place same bad channel with a lot of news as well uh andy you enjoyed tonight very much so thank you very much for having me brilliant and we'll be on again next week as well alina once more thank you very very much thank you very much okay and kat thank you we will finally get let you out of the studio so we'll we'll, we'll stop wasting time here it was fun it was very Yay. very good i'm learning so much there you go well, and of course i'm gonna play myself soon there you go. You're just, it's like, you know, you pick it up. It's the essence of sport that you're getting. So there we go. So again, we had terrific. Thank you, listeners, because I mean, I hope you learned something from Dan Rowan. I mean, we will have up on SoundCloud, on iTunes as well, on the podcast. We will have it up uh, tomorrow morning. So if you listen to us, I know we have listeners all around. We've had people from uh, Yubu in Canada listening to us. Yubu, that's in Vancouver Island. We've had people, of course, from Lipetsk. We've from Moscow, from all around the world, listen to us tonight. So thank you very much. Have a good night. And we're going to play out with something that is going to like send you rocking into this lovely, lovely night. This is Bruce Springsteen and Glory Days. We'll talk to you next week. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.